Good morning. I am very excited to be here this morning, and I am very excited to continue our mini-series, The New and Improved Aspects of a Beautiful Life. What is it that Jesus provides for you and for me when he gives us a beautiful life? But when we're talking about new and improved, I think there's something about this platform that we need to change. Because although Torin looks good, Torin doesn't look this good. As long as we're on new and improved. I'm just kidding, Torin. Three out of the next four weeks, I'm going to be speaking to you, and we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8 together. And Romans chapter 8 provides new aspects of our life in Jesus Christ. Many scholars, many theologians believe that Romans chapter 8 is one of the most important chapters in the whole Bible. One of the pinnacles of all scripture. The chapter of chapters for the Christian. And some of the reasons they give are, well, one of the reasons is because it is a chapter that is uniquely about the Holy Spirit. No less than 19 times is the Holy Spirit mentioned in Romans chapter 8. It has more references to the Holy Spirit than any other chapter in the Bible. And it speaks of what he empowers us, what he gives to us, our need for him. But what I, the reason that I think this chapter, Romans chapter 8, is so loved is because it addresses what I think is our greatest sense of need. The sense for security and safety, protection, and peace. That's what Romans 8 is about. Romans 8 is a chapter on assurance. The chapter says God loves us and he wants the best for us. So Romans 8 speaks to that. It speaks to God's love for us in his assurance that he will always be with us. The chapter starts with no condemnation and it ends with no separation and in between we find no defeat for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Now to set the context of Romans chapter 8 a little bit, we have to remember what Paul has already said in Romans chapter 6 and in Romans chapter 7. And in Romans chapter 6 and in Romans 7, Paul has just stripped away the idea that sin or legalism can create our identity. Because you see, in life, there's many people that hold on to sin or hold on to rules in the law to find their identity. But what Paul says in Romans 6 and 7 is he says it doesn't work. And if you try to find your identity in sin, or if you try to find your identity in the law, your life will actually be a life that is death, that is full of pain and suffering. Not only now in this life, but in the future. So we turn to Romans 8 where Paul says, we have life. We have new life. We have a true life when we are in Jesus Christ. And we find that 
through the enabling power and the control of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Romans chapter 8. God loves us and he wants the very best for all of us in this life, this beautiful life. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, it is our prayer that you would speak to us, that you, Lord, would convict us of what you have for us, Lord, and that you would conform us to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. We recognize your presence here this morning through your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that that same Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you ever noticed that there's a struggle to the Christian life? Have you ever noticed that it's difficult sometimes to be a Christian? To say the right things, to do the right things, to, to be the right kind of person? It is hard to be a Christian sometime. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Okay, good, because I didn't want to think that I was alone up here. It's hard to be a Christian sometime. But you see, the incredible thing is it's not only you and me that feel this way. We have really good company. The Apostle Paul feels this way. Go to Romans chapter 8. It's on page 800 in the Bible that the church provides. When you get to page 800, sounds like you're already there. That's good. Romans chapter 8 is on page 800. Look back at Romans chapter 7. And look at what Paul says in chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. This is what he says. In my mind, I want to please God. But there is something in me that makes me want to do the opposite. It's hard for me to be a Christian. That's what Paul's saying. Over and over again, he says, I do not understand what I do. What I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate... I do. We understand that, don't we? We get that. We get up in the morning and we say, Lord, this is the day. This is the day that I'm going to live for you. This is the day that I'm going to serve you. This is the day that I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. And then we get in the car, we're driving on our way to work, and somebody cuts us off. And we're like, boom! And we lose it. Or we're driving and we blow a stop sign and my kids are in the back seat and they watch me and they see me do it. Or our wives say, honey, I need you to clean the toilet, I need you to mow the lawn and I need you to take out the garbage and inside we're like, ah! (laughs) And we think, I know what I ought to do, but I don't do. We know this struggle or, or I get on the computer and I... The things that we said we'd never do, we do. The very things that we said we were going to do, we don't do. And some of us have experienced this, this week. We struggle in many different ways. We struggle between what we know we ought to do and what we actually do. We struggle between our better desires and our lesser desires. We struggle between what we know God wants us to do and we know we struggle with what we know we'd want to do if God would just leave us alone. We struggle all the time, torn this way and torn that way. It's hard to be a Christian. And I don't know if it's just me, 
but it gets discouraging to keep messing up. We start to wonder if, if, if God who loves us could ever forgive us. How could he love me if I continually mess up, if I just can't seem to get this right? Look at what Paul says in verse 24. What a wretched man I am. I don't know about you, but I understand him. I understand this idea of messing up, of, of sinning, of, of not being able to fix myself. And he's just not talking about himself, is he? He's talking about me. And he's talking about you. This inability to fix ourselves. This is the struggle of the Christian life. And this part of Romans chapter 7, it's Paul's autobiography. It's his experience of the Christian life. Now, it's not all of his Christian life. It's part of his Christian life. Just like it's not all of our Christian life, but it is still part of our Christian life. This struggle, this inability to keep from messing up, this inability to overcome the sin in our lives. You see, even great Christians like the Apostle Paul and I don't know about you, but I'm not Paul. Even great Christians like the Apostle Paul, they, they struggle with sin in their lives. Paul understood the pull between God on one side and his sinful nature on the other. So what's the solution? What's the solution to this problem that we face? And let's recognize there is a problem here, right? The first problem is, is that we sin. And God hates sin. And God condemns sin. And that's a problem. The second problem is, is that even if we are somehow able to deal with the sin, it seems to keep coming back. We never can completely deal with it. It seems to be a cycle of failure where we keep having to struggle with the sin in our sinful nature. There's problems. But there is a solution. I'd like to introduce you to somebody this morning. His name is Tony Stark. Now, for those of you who don't know Tony Stark, you might recognize that he is actually Iron Man. Iron Man the superhero. And what we know about Tony Stark is that Tony Stark, in the beginning of the story, in the beginning of this superhero comic book story, experiences a wound. He has a mortal wound, a wound that is going to kill him. The consequences of the wound, the consequence is death. And even if Tony were somehow able to overcome and not experience death, the wound would be such that it would leave him in a very weakened state, very, very incapacitated and unable to empower himself to live. So Tony Stark has a real problem. He has a mortal wound, and he is weak. But there is a solution, and we're going to see in a few minutes that we have a similar solution. Take a look at this clip. Now, what you just saw was... Tony Sparks' assistant, Pepper Potts, replacing his power core, replacing his arc reactor. And as I said, Tony suffered a mortal wound. He's going to die. But he invents this arc reactor that provides this incredible source of power. Later in the movie, Tony tells us that this arc reactor generates three gigajoules of energy. 
Yeah, I had no idea what gigajoules were either. But what gigajoules are is gigajoules, three gigajoules is comparable power to three large nuclear reactors, all in that little bitty arc reactor. And when inserted, Tony has life, and he has this incredible power to be able to put on a suit and become Iron Man. And fly. And And we recognize, we recognize that this probably isn't true in real life. Well, at least most of us recognize that this probably isn't true in real life. But Tony Stark, he has this power reactor, this arc reactor that gives him power. Keep him, keeps him from dying and gives him power to be a superhero. Wouldn't it be incredible if you and I, if we had an arc reactor? Guess what? <laughs> we do. <laughs> we have an arc reactor. And actually, it has a lot more power than three gigajoules. You see, our arc reactor is the Holy Spirit. And when we are in Christ, when we are a Christian, when we have declared that Jesus Christ is our Savior and our Lord and we trust him for everything in our life, what happens is, is the Holy Spirit comes and he lives inside of us, never to be taken out, always inside of us, and he provides incredible power for us as Christians. And what he specifically provides is freedom from the condemnation of sin and freedom from the control of our sinful nature. Now, look at Romans chapter 8, page 800, and let's look what Paul has to say to us. Paul has just finished spilling his heart out about failing to keep God's laws, about failing time and time again, and then he gives us one of the most encouraging truths in all of Scripture. And if you're like Paul, and you feel like you just keep messing up, if you are here this morning and you are discouraged because you feel like your sin has got the best of you, look what Paul has to say. Verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you hear what he's saying? There is now no condemnation. It's not that there's not much condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who believe in Jesus Christ, who have claimed them as their Lord and declared him their Savior, there's no condemnation. Now let me explain what this doesn't mean. He is not saying that there is therefore now no cause for condemnation, because that wouldn't be true, would it? I fail and you fail. I stumble, you stumble. I fall, you fall. I get off the path, you get off the path. Let's be honest, most of the time, we're just barely getting by. We're hanging on to the edge of that cliff with our fingertips, hoping we don't drop and hoping we don't fall. Paul is not saying here that there is no cause for condemnation. Because if God were to look down from heaven 
and were to judge any one of us moment by moment, he'd likely find plenty of cause for condemnation. So that's not what he's saying. So let's look at it again. Is he saying, therefore, there is now no failure for those who are in Christ Jesus? No. Is he saying, therefore, there is now no struggle for those who are in Christ Jesus? No. Is he saying, therefore, there is now no stumbling for those who are in Christ Jesus? No. Is he saying, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus? Yes. What he is saying here is there is no condemnation for you if you are in Christ. There is no punishment. There is no coming into judgment. There is no penal servitude for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you know what that means? It means we'll stumble, we may fall, we may trip, we may make a thousand mistakes. We may sin, and we do. We may get off the path, we may go astray. But for the believer of Jesus Christ, therefore, there is now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Why? Because God said it is so. You can struggle, but you're not condemned. You can fall, but you're not condemned. You can trip, but you're not condemned. You can stray off the path, but you're not condemned. Because God said he will not condemn those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't know of any truth in Scripture that is more important more encouraging, more liberating than the great truth that those who are in Christ Jesus face no condemnation because Jesus has paid it all. That's why our sins are gone because 2,000 years ago he went and died on a cross for our sins so that when God looks at us he doesn't condemn us because we're in Christ Jesus. This is life. Then look at verse 2, and we'll see why verse 1 is true. We see that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because, verse 2, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from sin and death. The term law of the Spirit of life here is a reference to the Holy Spirit. It's one of the names for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. You see, the Holy Spirit is our power pack. The Holy Spirit is what provides the power, is what provides the energy for us. When we're in Christ, when we trust him and believe in him, we receive the Holy Spirit who comes to live inside of us, just like the insertion of the arc reactor into Tony Stark. He was dead without the arc reactor. And you and me, we are dead without the Holy Spirit. But once inside, the Holy Spirit provides life and he frees us from the law of sin and death. And that's why there is no condemnation. And do you know what that means? That means you don't have to sin anymore. That means the sins that you struggle with don't have to be part of your life. Those sins that you deal with week after week, month after month, and year after year do not have to be part of your life because the Holy Spirit resides in you. The anger, the jealousy, the pornography, 
the sexual immorality, the hatred. It does not have to be part of your life because the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself is inside of you if you are in Christ. You are free from those sins and you do not have to live in defeat. We also see another reason why there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Look at verses 3 and 4. For what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who did not live according to the sinful nature but according to the spirit. You see, Paul is saying here that the law cannot make us righteous. The law is just a standard. It's a measuring stick and it can never redeem us from our sin. But what the law couldn't do, God did. God understood that what he wanted for each one of us we could never in and of ourselves accomplish. So God chose to accomplish it for us. He said, I want you to have life. And he did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be an offering or a sacrifice for sin. So he condemned sin in sinful man. We're not condemned because on the cross, when Jesus hung there, He condemns sin. As a believer, you can never be condemned for your sin because God condemned the very thing that we would have been condemned for on the cross. Jesus took care of our sin. That is life. Now, Paul wants to drive his point home. He wants to make sure that we understand that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's freedom from condemnation, and there's freedom from the control of our sinful nature. In order to help us understand here, Paul asserts the unbreakable connection between the Holy Spirit in life on one hand and the sinful nature on the other. Look at verse 5. Paul contrasts in 5 through 8 two types of people. Paul identifies only two ways of thinking. In essence, what Paul is saying here is that in the world, there are only two types of people. Verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You see, those who live according to the sinful nature allow their lives to basically be determined by their sinful nature. They set their minds on. They're most deeply interested in. They constantly talk about. They engage in. They revel in the things pertaining to their sinful nature. And all of this leads to death. If your mind is set on the things of our sinful nature, you will experience death. And it's not a death when you're 88. It's a death now. It's a pain in your life that sin creates and you and of yourself, you're not able to overcome it. Because sin controls you. It's what you have your mind set upon. Alternatively, There are those who live according to the Spirit and therefore submit to the Spirit's direction. 
they concentrate their minds, their attention on things of the Spirit. They specialize in things of the Spirit. Whatever is near and dear to the Spirit, they focus on. And as a result, they have life in peace. In the conflict between God and the sinful nature, the first group sides with human nature and the second group sides with God. And there are only two sides. And it's impossible to be on both sides at the same time. But here, basic, and I stress basic, the basic disposition or direction of our lives is either going to be on God's side or on the side of the sinful nature. And if a person is on the side of the sinful nature, you will experience death. But if a person is on God's side, if the mind is set on things of the Spirit, you will experience life in peace. Without any struggles, disappointments, or difficulties? No. But you will know the peace and comfort that comes from the forgiveness of sin, the peace and comfort that comes from having your mind set on the Spirit and living your life for Jesus Christ, a life here and into eternity of peace. Now Paul turns more directly to the Christians in Rome and to us now who are in Christ and with great warmth. Look what he says in verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you and if anyone does not have the Spirit, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Paul is saying that all of us who are in Christ, we have the power pack. We have the arc reactor. We have the Holy Spirit and he gives us power he enables us to live our lives without condemnation. He enables us to control our sinful nature because of the power that he provides. We have the power, because of the Holy Spirit, to please God. But look what he says. He says, be careful, because if someone does not have the Spirit, if someone does not demonstrate by his life and actions that he has the Spirit, that means that person is not in Christ. He's not a Christian. But for those of us who are in Christ, even though the body will die, we will have life because the Spirit who is himself life is alive inside of us. And look at the really cool thing here. It explains the power of the Holy Spirit. It says that the Holy Spirit and his power is the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's more than three gigajoules. That power resides within each one of us if we are in Christ. You, you are not controlled by the sinful nature because you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You see, each one of us, when you have the Holy Spirit, you have an arc reactor. You have the arc reactor inside of you. And that power that power frees you from the condemnation of sin. So if you're struggling with your sin, 
and it's getting the best of you, recognize that God does not look, if you are in Jesus Christ, God does not look with condemnation on you because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And that same Holy Spirit provides incredible power to overcome the sinful nature so that we can please God. That's the Holy Spirit that is inside each one of us if we are in Christ. So that power is inside of us. We have an arc reactor. What is our responsibility? Look at verse 12. Well, first we must be in Christ, but we also find more instruction beginning in verse 12. Look what it says. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You see, Iron Man was just not an arc reactor in a cool suit. To be a true superhero, Tony Stark had to participate. He had to be active in what was going on. Likewise, we need to be active. The text says that we have an obligation. So what's our obligation? It's to put to death the misdeeds of the body. It's to live according to the Spirit. When it all comes down to it, life is about the decisions we make. You see, every action, whether to live in a sinful way or to live in a spiritual way, begins with a decision. Look at it this way. Tony Stark didn't have to flap his wings to fly. He had the arc reactor, and he had the suit, which enabled him to fly. But what did Tony Stark have to do? Tony Stark had to make a decision to fly. And just like Tony Stark... You and I, we need to make a decision to not sin. We have an obligation to put to death the misdeeds of the body. Now you say, is that that simple? Well, in some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. Our obligation is to put to death the misdeeds of the body. And that's strong language that Paul uses here. Put to death the misdeeds of the body. We have to make a decision. So yes, we have to make a decision, and that's simple. But it is difficult in that when we make that decision, we have to commit to that decision. And what that means is, is that for some of us, we have to remove certain people from our lives. For others of us, we have to make sure we don't go to certain places. For some of us, it means that we need to surround ourselves with a group of people that will hold us accountable to the decisions we make because not only do we have to make the decision, we have to commit to that decision. To do what? To put to death the misdeeds of the body. So what ends up happening is there's this incredible balance of God working in and through our lives with the power of the Holy Spirit, a power that enables us to be free from condemnation and free from the control of the sinful nature. So you don't have to sin. I do not have to sin. But the other side of the balance is that I have to make a decision. 
And I have to commit to that decision. And I have to make sure that I am putting myself in such a place or taking myself out of such a place that I can hold to that decision. In and of myself? No. With the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in all of those who are in Christ. So the question this morning is, do you have an arc reactor? Because there are some of you here this morning that feel the condemnation of sin and that are completely unable to control the domination of your sinful nature. And that may be because you don't have the Holy Spirit. So this morning, if, if you know you are not in Christ, I encourage you, I implore you, I'll be down front as well as others, we would love to talk to you about how you get this power. There are people in a prayer room through those double doors and on the right, and they would love to pray with you. Because in order to be free from the condemnation of sin and from its control, you have to have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And then there are some of you here this morning that you have the arc reactor. You have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. But you still feel condemned. And you still really, really struggle with that certain sin. That's the power you have. You have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. I'd love to talk to you, to help you, pray with you, figure out how we get that power of the Holy Spirit going, how you work alongside in deciding that that sin is not going to control my life because I have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. So leave this morning knowing an arc reactor is available to everyone that frees from the condemnation of sin and frees from the control of the sinful nature. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this morning. For each one of these people here, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I pray that this morning, because we have opened your word, because of the power that resides in the Word of God and the enabling power of the Holy Spirit that our hearts and our minds would be changed and conformed to the image of Jesus Christ more and more every day. Lord, I thank you for the love that you have shown to each one of us, a love that does not condemn and that frees us from the controlling power of sin. Lord, thank you for loving us with an incredible love. In Jesus' name, amen.